Hey, this is Steve Fernandez, host of the Waterwise Pro Podcast, and I thank you for joining me. This is episode number six. We're going to talk about distribution system operations, configurations, and some pipe material. Okay, so the purpose of water distribution systems. Uh, okay, so on the last episodes, um, just going back, we talked about source water, groundwater, surface water, right? How we treat them, how we get rid of some of the contaminants, or what potential characteristics some of those source waters would have. Uh, we've treated it. Okay, now we're starting to pipe it in the ground and uh, get it out to our customers. Okay, so the purpose of a water distribution system is for water utilities co- to construct, operate, and maintain water supply systems. The basic function of these water uh, water utilities is to obtain water from a source, treat the water into uh, to an acceptable quality, and deliver the desired quantity of water to an appropriate place t- uh, at the appropriate time. Okay, so uh, two primary purposes of a distribution system is for consumption and for fire protection. Okay, so those are the main ones. Our customers to drink the water, use it for whatever their uh, processes are for maybe their uh, companies or whatever, and then for fire protection. Okay, put out those fires, right? Uh, Firefighters need uh, heroes too, so that's why we're here. Okay, doing our thing. So let's talk about hydraulics. Okay, Uh, Pascal's law of hydraulics is defined as a pressure exerted within a confined space, resulting in equal pressure or force being exerted in every direction. Okay, so as we apply pressure to uh, to water or a fluid whether it be in a, a pipe or in a, a tank, maybe a hydropneumatic tank, as we apply pressure to it, it wants to go in every direction, okay? So uh, flow, flow is the movement of water uh, or stream of water uh, or other fluid from place to place, okay? So that's just uh, water moving from uh, place to place or a, a fluid moving from one side to another side. That's, that's flow, okay? Turbulent flow is flow characterized by random motion, mainly due to tuberculation and corrosion. So if you're getting some old uh, galvanized pipe, that old galvanized pipe that's all rusted on the inside, got a bunch of uh, tuberculation, looks pretty gnarly on the inside, water's going to be traveling through that pipe and it's going to be bouncing around all different uh, types of directions. And so we don't want turbulent flow going through our pumps. What that's going to cause is cavitation, okay? Cavitation is, is caused by uh, turbulence, okay, going through our pump. It uh, it basically, the air pockets can implode in our on our impellers and uh, creating cavities or uh, basically pitting on the cavi- on the uh, impeller itself and that cavitation could cause uh, a loss in efficiency and capacity of the pump overall okay so we do not want turbulent flow same thing with our meters we don't want turbulent flow in our meters okay because what that is is going to cause it to uh, misread uh, underread or overread okay so we want nice laminar flow laminar flow is the movement of a liquid in a smooth continuous non-turbulent flow that does not necessarily mix okay so if you can uh, uh, picture in your mind just a, like a smooth concrete channel that is just moving some moving water from place to place uh, not a lot of turbulence not a lot of twists and bends in the pipe uh, uh, pipe direction or, or uh, in the flow direction of the channel so it's going to be nice and smooth transitions okay so laminar flow is what we're sh- looking for in our systems going through our pumps uh, through our uh, meters and overall through the whole uh, distribution system okay we might have is a distribution system layouts is usually designed in three different configurations uh, arterial loop system is the best right uh, grid system is pretty good and then tree system uh, not so bad right and so uh, uh, or not so good right tree systems are not so good okay but uh, uh, most of our systems are combined of uh, d- uh, grid systems and tree systems okay and so arterial loop systems uh, attempt to surround the distribution area with larger diameter mains 
the large remains then contribute water supplies within the grid from several different directions okay so if you can imagine uh, uh, your system being a big old square right and within that square it has a bunch of uh, different streets and um, and residents and so the uh, arterial mains or transmission mains basically circle the outside of that perimeter okay and then feed all the distribution mains within the system okay so the arterial main is just basically it's feeding uh, those distribution mains from um, all the, the surrounding area of the uh, the system okay and grid system a grid system depends primarily on the fact that all mains are interconnected so water drawn at any point can actually flow from several different uh, directions okay so uh, maybe you have the transmission main runs down the center of the system and then feeds all the uh, distribution mains and uh, the distribution mains are all interconnected so maybe if you have a disruption or a water main break on on one street um, you can isolate that street only and uh, all the rest of the streets are uh, will still be uh, um, active okay and that is uh, obviously if you have a good uh, valve program which we'll talk about later on uh, in, in uh, future episodes um, we want to make sure our valves are all up and running so we can isolate these systems uh, when we need to okay all right and then tree systems a tree system brings water into an area with a transmission main uh, or a larger distribution main uh, depending on the size of your system obviously uh, which uh, the, then branches off into smaller mains uh, the smaller mains generally end up as uh, dead ends okay this is not considered a good distribution system design and is generally not recommended in many cases site-specific conditions result in the selection of this type of system okay so we have uh, some rural areas uh, just out of our system in uh, more uh, county uh, unincorporated areas and so the land or properties are a lot bigger and more of the housing uh, uh, is a lot more spread out than uh, in town and so this would be considered a tree system where we have a lot of dead ends and um, with dead ends we have to install blow-offs so that we can uh, flush out those lines if they are not being used as much as um, as they should be to, to move that water to turn over that uh, that old water in the line so we end uh, uh, have to blush, flush out those dead ends again to bring the resi residuals up and to maintain good water quality okay so tree systems all right so nowadays we're trying to get all of our our maps on nice iPads so we can um, easily carry around our our maps and electronically but uh, uh, what most of us have are comprehensive maps is basically those old atlas books right the black and white books or um, maybe you have some uh, GIS style uh, printed out maps that uh, show uh, uh, basically an overall uh, view of the entire system. The uh, scale that we use on comprehensive maps is 500 to 1,000 feet per inch. Um, we might be coming across a couple pages where you have a, a page of a, like a booster station or a, a facility, a water facility, and it would be called a sectional plot. The sectional plot would basically show various portions of the system in more detail, Okay, 50 to uh, 200 feet per inch. Uh, would be the scale that we use it shows uh, valve locations maybe number of turns or uh, the main location just more in detail more uh, more shown on a sectional plot than the comprehensive map because it's kind of like a blown up view of what's going on at that particular location uh, as built drawings or uh, uh, drawings that show uh, changes uh, made during installation or repair so maybe the engineer said that they wanted the uh, the pipeline to go at one elevation but uh, they didn't take consideration consideration that there's a storm drain uh, in the way and so we have to go underneath it so it's going to change the elevation that we installed it uh, versus what was on the drawings uh, or was spec'd out okay all right plan view 
shows topographic views, pipe sizes, facilities, and pressure zones, etc. Um, it's basically from a bird's eye view, okay? Um, and then profile view shows elevations, hydraulic grade lines, uh, station numbers, pipe diameter, velocity, and rate of flows, okay? And the map should be on hand at all times. Map should show all valves, hydrant location, main sizes, service sizes. Uh, hopefully it shows service size, maybe not, but uh, uh, at least maybe where they're located at, that would also be helpful too, okay? So uh, before those old lizards retire, make sure you get their map books, okay? Um, they got a lot of good detail on some of those old map books and um, uh, they've made a lot of notes over the years and so um, always try to try to grab those before they they leave town with them okay all right uh, water main piping okay so our systems are comprised of a bunch of different styles of pipe from uh, asbestos concrete pipe cast iron PVC ductile iron uh, some different types of uh, uh, coated pipe and uh, HDPE a bunch of uh, cool pipe in the ground uh, but we all got to maintain it and some of it has just kind of been uh, kind of laid in the ground long time ago and now we have to kind of deal with it um, I know we were cutting out some old uh, redwood pipe out of the ground uh, just a couple months ago when we were doing a water main project and uh, it's pretty cool it's like finding some uh, you know it's like finding red uh, uh, it's like finding dinosaur bones in the ground you know when you see that uh, old redwood main and uh, main is uh, basically a term that was used from uh, um, basically uh, water main uh, were made from the main part of the tree I guess when uh, um, they were making uh, redwood pipes and so that's how we use uh, the term redwood main or redwood uh, uh, the main or the center part of the tree is basically where uh, we would kind of hollow out the inside and, and make our pipe okay so kind of cool kind of cool uh, uh, little history there and then uh, uh, like I said when we dig that stuff up it's kind of it's kind of cool it's pretty unique and you don't see that stuff just seeing uh, you know over a hundred year old pipe in the ground uh, and still looks pretty new but um yeah we, we have some of that in our system so some factors that need to be considered in the selection of pipe materials so service conditions okay uh, pressures need to be considered right what type of pressures do we need within our systems are we um, floating underneath a, a hundred psi or are we uh, you know, over 200 psi there's some systems uh, that you know that I know of that that are over you know 200 psi and just because they're moving water from you know really high elevation elevations and uh, need it to get to you know other parts of town and and feed all their customers okay soil loads uh, soil loads bearing capacity of soil and potential settlement okay California is known known for uh, earthquakes right you know in, in our uh, location particularly known for earthquakes and uh, we're also surrounded by sloughs and, and high groundwater level and all kinds of good stuff so um, we have to be uh, aware of um, what kind of environment we're going to put our pipe in. Corrosion potential of soil. Okay, we have some really aggressive soils as well. And then also uh, potential corrosive natures of some water. Okay, so, you know, unfortunately, Flint, Michigan has gone through what it's gone through and uh, still kind of going through it um, with very aggressive uh, um, corrosive waters. Okay, so um, that's something we need to be aware of as well. And uh, availability. Are we getting uh, pipe from, you know, domestic suppliers or... You know, uh, Birmingham, Alabama is like the mecca of ductile iron pipe. Or are we getting it from uh, somewhere else? Okay. Um, size and thickness, pressure rating and classes. Okay. So the size and thickness of pipe is all based on the pressure rating and classes. Okay. Uh, higher the pressure rating, the thicker the walls uh, of the pipe, and then uh, also the class. So class 52 is a little bit uh, thinner walls than class 53, and class 53 has a little bit thinner walls than class 54. Okay, and then compatibility with uh, available fittings. Okay, um, do we do we have 
different types of different types of water mains uh, in the ground and are we, if we're going to switch over to another style how is it going to match up with some of the, the the pipe that we already have okay properties of the pipe okay so strength strength would be uh, like static and fatigue especially for a water hammer okay is it is it strong is it weak uh, what kind of what kind of pipe do we have ductility ability to deform under tensile strength uh, and then uh, or tensile stress sorry about that and then the ability to be stretched okay so how much can we pull the pipe without it actually breaking okay and then uh, flexural strength flexural strength is also the ability for it to twist and bend without breaking okay uh, corrosion resistance and then fluid friction resistance need to be considered as well uh, and then also economics okay so if we can't afford the uh, the nice ductile iron pipe maybe we can go with a c900 uh, pvc is, is about half the cost of ductile iron pipe and uh, can still get the job done and lasts a long time so um, we can go with a, um, a cheaper one if uh, our budget doesn't allow us to go with something a little bit more durable and then uh, required life how long are we trying to get it to last you know so um, I've heard that you know PVC you can get about 50 50 years out of the pipe you know um, not too many manufacturers are going to go up to a, or guarantee you a hundred years of, uh, of life out of pipe but uh, you might be getting that out of like a cast iron or ductile iron pipe and then uh, also for uh, cost of maintenance and repairs okay um, if we're putting in a, a piece of pipe that needs to be maintained and cared for a little bit more than um, something that doesn't then then that needs to be considered uh, when we install it okay economics the cost cost to operate cost to install all that good stuff okay all right so transmission mains are designed to carry large quantities of water provide water to the distribution piping generally uh, have long straight runs and not a lot of services uh, on transmission mains okay it's just mainly just feeding the distribution mains and then distribution mains are anything less than 12 inches in, in size and then uh, carry water from transmission mains to residents and hydrants and there are many side connections okay so again uh, transmission mains are just moving a whole bunch of water not a lot of connections the only connections it really has is maybe for hydrants or distribution mains and then distribution mains have uh, uh, many connections for residents uh, and hydrants uh, determining pipe sizes so the the way we determine our pipe size is based on uh, pressure ratings well what kind of pressures are we trying to feed the system okay uh, flows what kind of water are we trying to deliver to the system uh, flow capacity right and then flow velocities how fast is the water going to be moving uh, is also going to help determine whether um, you know what style pipe we're going to get uh, for our system and then cons consumer demand and fire flows uh, also need to be considered okay so uh, the OD of pipe is uh, the outside diameter the ID is the inside diameter and then the wall thickness when we talk about wall thickness that's just the, the actual thickness of the pipe material okay all right so we're gonna talk about cast iron cast iron was introduced as early as 1670s uh, has long life um, been still been around since uh, you know like early 1800s I've been uh, uh, known of hearing some stuff about you know old old pipe from uh, the 1800s still kind of being active and uh, yeah so that's uh, you know close to 200 years that we've had this cast iron in the ground and and so we're trying to replace that stuff because it can shatter nowadays uh, no kind of signs of uh, fatigue or or wear um, doesn't have any you know corrosion uh, characteristics um, so it's been really good to us but um, it's starting to become a little bit more brittle than we'd like to and so we're dealing with cast iron pipe okay after after uh, cast iron pipe we had a steel pipe okay steel pipe was introduced it was lighter than iron had higher pressure ratings and then it was also rated for higher tensile strength okay 
uh, easily installed and jointed. It was lined with bituminous or cement coating, so that bituminous coating is that uh, black tar coating that uh, goes on the inside and the outside of a steel steel pipe. Uh, bell and spigot lap welded joints, so basically it was a uh, spigot end, bell end, and then it was welded together. Okay, we could also use some cathodic protection uh, to to deal with any stray current or any soil corrosion uh, potentials. Asbestos concrete pipe, see, so that's uh, that's the stuff that we uh, get called out in the late in the middle of the night, and um, we see that there's a uh, asbestos concrete pipe underground that's leaking, and we just uh, bury it back up because we don't want to deal with that stuff. We don't want to be on TV in the middle of the night doing commercials for mesothelioma. Okay, uh, don't want that stuff for inhalation of asbestos. All right, so uh, so what we do is we keep it wet, okay? Uh, we keep it wet, and we use our snapping cutters, okay? We don't want to inhale the asbestos fibers and uh, don't want to get that uh, mesothelioma, right? And so it was, it has been strong. It will not corrode, and it has a high tensile strength, okay? Uh, it has concrete couplings with a rubber gasket in there, um, but it needs to be dealt with, with a, um, by a, a certified specialist, and uh, it is basically a hazardous material, okay? So I know some agencies that uh, have a really uh, proactive uh, policies for um, dealing with asbestos concrete, as most of us should. Um, but, uh, you know, what they'll have is basically, you know, rubber gloves. Rubber gloves are taped to the, the level A suits, right, the moon suits, and they'll have respirators on. And uh, what they'll do is they'll put uh, two layers of plastic underneath the, uh, the AC pipe, they use a snap ring cutters, keep it wet, right? Snap it, uh, double bag the uh, the pipe or the material, and then put in a, a hazardous material container, and then they'll uh, ship it off to uh, with the hazmat team to get rid of that stuff. So, yeah, so so that's how how some agencies are dealing with it, and uh, most of us should, right? But uh, most of us don't have a, a good uh, proactive asbestos concrete um, policies procedures, uh, and so. Yeah, so most of us just have the uh, the old handkerchief over the over the face, right? No, so just like I said, just be safe. Again, you don't want to be uh, old and, and doing commercials on uh, TV for for much anything. Okay, so just watch out for whatever you're dealing with out in the field and, and keep yourself safe, right? All right, then we had uh, ductile iron pipe. Ductile iron pipe is used for high pressure applications. It's strong, rigid, uh, will resist bending, twisting without breaking. And it's also lined with bituminous and or polyethylene coatings, okay? Uh, it's bell and spigot uh, uh, joints, okay, with the rubber gasket. You can also use a, a field log gasket, which has a kind of metal teeth, and it basically uh, acts as a, like Chinese handcuffs where you put your finger in there and it won't come out. Same thing with the spigot end. If it has a, uh, um, the, the rubber gasket goes inside the bell end, but if you put the spigot in, uh, into that bell end that has that uh, field lock gasket, it will not come out, okay? So it's kind of like a mechanical joint within the rubber. All right. Uh, nowadays, also, we all we do have, um, um, what do you call it, uh, coated uh, ductile iron pipe, okay? So uh, we ourselves are using a zinc-coated ductile iron pipe, okay? Uh, we are getting it from a foreign supplier um, because they actually had a higher standard that uh, some of our domestic suppliers had, and so nowadays... Um, and it has actually has brought up the uh, the standard for ductile iron pipe, and so it is zinc coated. The zinc coating on the outside acts as a sacrificial anode on the outside of the ductile iron. So if the uh, the there was corrosion potential, it would attack the zinc. The zinc will break down and cr create basically like a crust on the outside of the ductile iron pipe. 
preventing the corrosion from um, attacking the ductal iron pipe itself. Okay, and then on top of the zinc, it is uh, epoxy coated, and so that epoxy coating uh, basically prevents any corrosion from uh, prematurely breaking down the zinc. So. Uh, so yeah, so it's a, a weighed amount of zinc that is electri electrically sprayed on the pipe, and it acts as the uh, cathodic protection, and uh, and yeah, and it also um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's in Europe. Um, it's been you know in in Europe for about twenty to thirty years, and then now more more recent years um, we're finding it domestically. So uh, it's good stuff that um, you know our uh, uh, pipe suppliers are are uh, bringing some better products to the uh, to the table. And um, um, we're able to use that for different types of environments uh, that, uh, that, that call for more coatings and stuff like that uh, because of the corrosion uh, factors that our soils may or may not have. Okay, so uh, yeah, so that's ductile iron pipe. We have uh, HDPE, high density polyethylene pipe. Okay, so what it is, you got two sticks of pipe. What they do is they put a hot plate in the middle. They put those two pieces of pipe together on that hot plate. They melt the ends and then they pull that hot plate out. And they they push them together, and it creates a, a fusion or a butt fusion, uh, or kind of like a flange joint where uh, they kind of uh, come together and they kind of melt themselves together. Uh, that 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 uh, that butt fusion uh, is known to be stronger than the actual pipe itself. And we use HDPE for like horizontal boring, going under, underneath like a very difficult roadways, uh, uh, railroads, or intersections, stuff like that, where you can't have an open cut trench. Okay, so HDPE. Uh, viney, uh, oh, I'm sorry, polyvinyl chloride, right? PVC pipe, uh, corrosion-free. It's light and uh, low in cost, about half the cost of ductile iron pipe, and has really good flow characteristics. Okay, um, uh, has very high tensile uh, ratings, uh, tensile strength ratings, and then also uh, it's good for impact strength as well. Um, hard to locate without a tracer wire, though. Um, needs to be special care on taps. So you're going to be using a um, uh, a saddle. When you do your taps for your services and then also uh, you want to bed the trench with sand okay so give it a nice little blanket underneath to kind of help uh, coddle that uh, that pipe and make sure that it's um, free of any aggregates and uh, not going to get uh, what do you call it uh, too much of a, a pressure point on, on anything that's hard that uh, could potentially uh, cause that pipe to break okay so um, also don't want to install uh, pvc pipe near any gas stations okay so that would also uh, cause the uh, the PVC to break down or deteriorate and so we don't want it near any petroleum products okay uh, underground all right uh, also a mortar line coated pipe so mortar line coated pipe would be like a steel pipe with uh, concrete coating on the inside and then it's wire wrapped on the outside and then uh, another layer of concrete uh, on top of that it's designed for high pressure ratings um, or higher high pressure systems uh, but it's very heavy, hard to move, and uh, it does definitely uh, take some a little bit more labor to get those things in the ground and to maintain them uh, after they're in there. Okay, so uh, there's so there's that, and then also um, earthquake restraint ductile iron pipe too. So I know uh, Kubota um, Kubota company is uh, is using uh, uh, basically a, a earthquake restraint ductile iron pipe, and uh, they're manufacturing that stuff, and um, they are working with like a LADWP. Uh, they've also worked with uh, another company that I've done classes with, City of Hayward. I know C City of Hayward was like the largest uh, or the first company to use uh, um, any um, earthquake restraint ductile iron pipe uh, over 24 inches uh, in the United States. So pretty cool little fact there. Um, um, 
cool props to uh, City of Hayward also for stepping up and and using some uh, state-of-the-art pipe. And then LADWP is using this stuff all over the place too now, having their engineers from uh, Japan come down and and work with uh, DWP to put this stuff in the ground. And and what's going on with the earthquake earthquake restraint ductile iron pipe, sorry about that, is that uh, it it allows for at least a 2% of contraction and expansion per stick. So what that means is that it has a, a locking ring on the spigot end goes into the bell end, and the bell is about twice as long as the uh, regular ductile iron uh, um, bell. And so that allows uh, two to three inches of uh, uh, contraction or expansion uh, per stick of pipe. So if you got a whole you know, length of pipe, uh, maybe a whole block of, of this stuff, you're going to be able to move a lot of, uh, you know, that pipe's going to be able to move back and forth uh, quite a bit without actually um, coming out or pulling out. And so this is not like the field log gaskets that have the, the metal teeth in them. This spigot has actually like a locking ring, so it will not come out, but it will allow it to move back and forth. Like I said, about two to three inches per stick of pipe. Um, just some more miscellaneous facts. Um, so pipe should have pressure ratings adequate for handling the pressures in the system. Pipe should have uh, pressure ratings two and a half to four times the normal operating pressure. And then under normal operating conditions, water systems flow should not exceed 5 feet per second. If we're moving water faster than 5 feet per second, uh, what it's going to do is it's going to scour the inside of our water mains, and we don't want that to happen. Okay, So scouring the inside of the mains is like scraping the inside of the water main, which could potentially uh, jar loose any tuberculation uh, or biofilm. Maybe we are trying to do that, and so um, only know that if you are moving water faster than five feet per second, you are actually doing a very aggressive uh, flush that will uh, take some uh, interior contaminants from the inside of the pipe off and uh, you'll be flushing that through the system. Okay, so we wanna stay below that five PSI. Oh, I'm sorry, five feet per second. Um, and then class of pipe, like I said, refers to the thickness of the pipe walls and pressure ratings. Okay, spring line, if I'm looking at that pipe horizontally and it's running from left to right in front of me, um, the spring line is the theoretical center line of the pipe, and the flow line would be the inside bottom of the pipe or channel, also called the invert. Okay, so the flow line is the bottom of the pipe. Okay, and then the hydraulic grade line is the surface or profile of water flowing in an open channel or pipe if partially full. If the pipe is under pressure, the hydraulic grade line is that that water would rise in a small vertical tube connected to the pipe, a line joining the elevation that water would rise. So if I had a tank up on the hill and I had a house down at the bottom of the hill and I just drew a straight line from that top elevation to the bottom elevation, that is the hydraulic grade line, okay? If I put a standpipe at that house down at the bottom of the hill, up into the air, okay, so that water level that was in that tank would try to seek out that same height in that sandpipe at the house, okay? So the uh, water wants to seek its own level, and so we're, we're, what we're going to do is we're going to design our systems uh, based on the hydraulic grade line, okay? It's just basically the different elevation changes within our systems, okay? Some more facts. Uh, the minimum desirable free available chlorine residual in water mains should be around 0.2 milligrams per liter or should be detectable, uh, have a detectable limit with, um, with about 90% of our samples taken on our routine samples, okay? Uh, doubling the diameter of pipelines will increase its carrying capacity by about four times. And when the water in a, in a main is at static rest, the water pressure will be at its highest point. 
and as water flows increase the water pressure will drop so as we're all sleeping at night the pressure should be at its highest point but if someone hits a hydrant in the middle of the night what's going to happen is water is going to leave the system and the pressure will drop that's all we're seeing so at rest our system is at rest the pressure will be at its highest point but as water starts to leave the system the pressure will drop okay water mains parallel to any sanitary sewers should be installed at least 10 feet horizontally and one foot higher than the sewer lines and then uh, the joints should be more than 10 feet in separation so if i have a 20 foot stick of pipe my pipe should be on center with that crossing so that the joints are 10 feet on both sides of that crossing of the sewer line okay all right i think that's it for tonight um, that's pipe material and that's configurations for distribution systems and i hope you guys liked it and uh, right, uh, the whole point of this is to stay ready. Okay, if we if we stay ready for anything that gets thrown at us, or it's just some measly old test that we're gonna knock out. Um, if we stay ready, then we don't have to get ready. Right. So uh, thanks for joining me. Uh, thanks for uh, trying to level up uh, with me. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode. All right. Peace. Peace.